Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. So we're going to get into the into the word today, and the title of today's message is "Where Is Your Trust?" You know, I was talking to Pastor. He said, "What you going to minister on?" I said, "Where is your trust?" He said, "I trust you." I said. No, 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 no. Don't trust me. Trust the Lord. Amen. He said, well, fine. I don't trust you. Glory to God. Now, he trusts me a little bit, I think, but but trust the Lord. Amen. Where is your trust? As many of you know, we've been on the uh, the road for the past couple of weeks. I was able to tune in. I heard a powerful testimony. Amen. Was that, was that you? Amen. I didn't get to see the face with the testimony. I just heard about the testimony. I said, man, I miss all the rest of the people. But glory to God, powerful testimony, great word while we were out last week uh, and the week before as well. But It's good to be back in the house. And I did hear, I learned a new insult. Now, I shouldn't be sharing insults, but this is so good, I have to share it with you, okay? Y'all heard all the different kind of insults you can have for people. This this man of God came, and he shared a lot of good words. I'm not going to share that with you, but I'm going to share his insult with you. He said that there was an odor one time. He said, it was so bad, it made a freight train want to take a detour on a dirt road. I said, oh, my goodness. That was... So anyway, I thought that was free of charge today. All right, but where is your trust? Where is your trust? Well, before you can say where your trust is, we have to know what is trust. To trust is to be boldly confident in a secure outcome. To be boldly confident in a secure outcome. When you trust someone or something, you are no longer concerned about it because you know the result that person or thing will provide for you. There are several examples of that. Everybody came in and sat down in their chairs just now. I didn't see anybody... Testing it. Is it going to hold me? Is it going to? No, y'all just flopped right down because you trusted the chairs. Amen. When you get ready to crank your car. Now, I've had good batteries and bad batteries. If I have a battery I trust, I get in, pop in the key, crank it up, and I move on with my day. But if I have one I don't trust, I'll leave my door open because I don't want to get locked inside. Make sure the radio's off, lights off, windshield wipers off, and I get every little bit of juice I can going to starting the car. Sometimes I pray over it, right? Because I don't really trust the battery at that point. Yes? So I pump the gas pedal, then turn it. Well, we all think we trust in God. I said at the beginning, it's going to seem simple. If I ask you today, who do you trust? You're going to say, oh, man, we trust in the Lord. Sure you do. Sure you do. Well, we should all trust in the Lord. We should all trust in the Lord. But oftentimes, we transfer our trust. We don't do it on purpose. You know, if we did it on purpose, we recognize it and not do it. But oftentimes, we transfer our trust. I was not going to talk about this. The Holy Spirit said to share this part with you. So this is from the Lord, not from me, because I'm, I'm tired of talking about COVID. Anybody else tired of hearing about COVID? Tired of talking? About, I'm tired of talking about COVID. But this is something that I observed with COVID, and the Holy Spirit said to share this with the people. So this is for somebody. During COVID, we saw that the body of Christ, as much as they say they trust in the Lord, A lot of people don't. I'm not talking about in this house in particular, but throughout the church all over the globe, there were two groups of people, and almost everybody fell into these two groups. There were a couple of people I saw that did not fall into them, but half the people were afraid of the virus, and the other half were afraid of the vaccine. You don't have to shout out loud and amen me or any of that, but that's what I observed, and the the Holy Spirit says share that with the people. And so we see in both cases what we don't have there is a true trust in God. People don't trust the Lord to protect them from the virus, or they don't trust the Lord to protect them from the vaccine. And and there's nothing wrong with either decision, but people are operating from a place of fear with that instead of from a place of trust. Does that make sense? Amen. And so only a small, just a real sliver of the church folks that I know were operating in by trusting the Lord instead of operating in fear. So where is your trust. We have to keep our trust on God. We all learned that probably when we were about four years old, if you grew up in the church, 
Oh, we have to trust the Lord. But what is it that you actually rely on to produce the results in your life? What are you actually trusting to produce the results? Uh, Here's a hint. If it's God and something, then the and something is probably what you're actually trusting. You're probably not trusting God. You're probably trusting the and something. There's a, a mug. Probably half of you have it. It says, Jesus and coffee. Well, you're not drinking Jesus, right? You're drinking coffee. You're trusting the coffee to brighten your day and give you that sunny disposition we all get to see, right? That's, that's coffee is where your trust is. And that's a, you know, a real simple example. But if you rely on coffee instead of relying on the Lord, you've transferred just a little bit of your trust to the coffee. Real quiet today. So as you just say amen when I look at you in case they forget to, okay? <laughs> She's not going to do it either. It's all right. Matthew chapter 6, 24, this won't be on the screen, but it's, uh, it's Bethany's favorite verse. I don't know why it's her favorite verse. All the other kids like John three sixteen. Bethany likes Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. If you're trusting one thing, you're not trusting both. You're trusting one thing. So where is your trust? You know, Satan's plan when he talks to you, I don't know if Satan talks to anybody in here. We all probably don't listen to him. But the first thing he does, the oldest trick, literally the oldest trick in the book, the first example of anything we ever see is him saying, did God really say? The first thing he wants to do is get you to doubt God. But we're wise to that, right? We know that's coming. And so we resist that. So here's what he does instead, because he knows, oh, that doesn't work for them, is he'll be real subtle and he'll get you to transfer your trust to something else. He won't get you to just doubt God outright. He'll get you to shift your trust without you even realizing. Do you know that Satan is a thief? He's not a robber. He's not going to be like, hey, uh, you need to transfer your trust because you would say, no, they'll know this is stupid. We're not participating in that. You would not do it if you knew it was going to happen. But he's sneaky about it. He's stealthy and he sneaks it. And before you realize what's happened, your trust is all gone. Well, not all gone, but all moved to something it's not supposed to be in. If you recognized it, you would stop it, but you don't because he's sneaky. And that's what I'm going to help you hopefully identify today. Amen. Amen. Transferring your trust can happen to anyone. Don't think you're too holy or you're too mature of a believer for it to happen to you. It can happen to anyone at any time for any number of reasons. But here's when it happens most of the time. There are two occasions where we most frequently transfer our trust. Everybody raise up your peace sign to show me two occasions. The first one is when we get impatient. Now put this finger down first. You don't want to keep the other finger down. All right. And the second one is when you receive manifestation. Those are the two times we most often transfer our trust. When you get impatient or when you receive manifestation. So impatience, the first one. Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. But what happens when you get tired of waiting? And we all get tired of waiting. We all do. You may get tired at a different time. Some people might get tired in 20 seconds. Some people might get tired in 20 years. But sooner or later, your earthly patience runs out and you get tired of waiting. What happens next? Do you transfer your trust to other things? Uh, you know, there are some examples of that in Scripture. Genesis 16 tells the story of Abraham, and Abraham had a promise. Well, it was Abram back then. He had a promise from the Lord that he was going to be the father of many generations, and Sarah got impatient. Sarah got tired of waiting. Now, we, we like to blame Sarah, but uh, Abram is the one, as you'll see in a moment, that fathered Ishmael. Sarah, Sarah set him up for it, but he's the one that did the deed. He got tired of waiting, and, and so they had a um, son through um, Sarah's slave, Hagar, Ishmael, right? It's because he got impatient. He got tired of waiting. And so instead of trusting the Lord to fulfill his promise, Abram went and trusted in his flesh to things. You know, I know how to have a son, right? I've, I've studied this. I know exactly what I need to do. Sure, we can, 
we can make this happen. So Abram went and he trusted in flesh instead of trusting the Lord. Amen. Esau, in Genesis chapter 25, Esau was hungry. Anybody here ever been hungry? Amen. You're hungry. Sometimes you get. Anybody get hangry? Hangry. And then you start to get irrational. Irrational. Well, that's what happened to Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And he rationalized it, too. He said, well, if I die from lack of soup, then my birthright is no good to me. But he, in, in essence, he transferred his trust. Instead of trusting, you know, that he was going to have his needs met, he went and put his trust in his birthright to get him a bowl of soup. Um, the Israelites, uh, Sierra talked about this a few minutes ago in Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. They saw that Moses delayed. Moses was talking to the Lord and, and getting things ready for them, and they got impatient. They got tired of waiting, and they said, we need something to worship, and it needs to be gold. So here's all this jewelry, and so Aaron ended up, they talked Aaron into making them a golden calf, and they worshiped that. Well, did they worship that because they really thought it was God? No, they worshiped that because they got impatient. When they got impatient, instead of trusting the Lord to speak through Moses, they decided to take matters into their own hands. So what happens when you get tired of waiting? I have a dog. I have two dogs, actually. Some of you have met my dogs. There are two things that could teach you a lot about your relationship with the Lord. Uh, not only do I recommend these, I'm happy to provide you some if you don't have your own children, and dogs, right? I can, if you don't have enough dogs in your house, I'm happy to share. If you don't have enough kids in your house, I'm more than happy to share. I may even pay you. I mean, no, I won't pay you. I won't pay you. You don't have to take my kids. They're a blessing. But kids and dogs can teach you a lot about your relationship with the Lord. And we have two dogs. Uh, one of them is named Sugar. We should have named her Zero Calories because she's, uh, she's taken her name a little too seriously over the years. But <laughs> But Sugar gets tired of waiting really fast. She'll have water, and I'll say, you know, Sugar, your water doesn't look too fresh. And we will pick up her water bowl, take it, rinse it out, and refill it. And in the time between the time we lift it off of her feeding area and put it back down, she becomes so impatient, she noses her way into the bathroom, lifts up the toilet seat, and starts drinking the toilet water. You're laughing because you're like, oh, that dumb dog. But that's us sometimes. We get tired of waiting on the Lord, and the Lord's got good, clean, fresh water for us, so we're sitting there lapping up junk out of the toilet. Amen. I'm telling you, dogs can teach you about your relationship with the Lord. Do you believe me? Hallelujah. So sugar gets impatient, and she goes to the toilet bowl instead of the water bowl. We get impatient, and we're worshiping gold cows instead of God Almighty or, or you know, hooking up with our, our wife's slave girl instead of waiting on the Lord or doing all kinds, of, all kinds of craziness instead of just keeping our trust in the Lord. The other option, if you don't transfer your trust, is that you wait on the Lord. If you're turning your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, I believe, and we'll see what happens when you, when you wait on the Lord. If you'll meet me in verse 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, we see there are a couple things that happen there. They're going to renew their strength. So if you get tired of waiting, your strength starts to diminish. You feel weaker and weaker the longer you wait on something. Amen? Some of y'all ain't waited long enough to know what I'm talking about. If you were ever to wait on something long enough, you'd feel yourself starting to get tired of waiting. Okay, you'd start to get weak. But the Lord says, if you wait on me, I'm going to renew your strength. I'm going to give you a little resurgence of strength in your body. The mount up of the wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. 
That means you're not going to get tired out. You're going to have endurance. You're going to have stamina. They shall walk and not faint. So as we wait on the Lord, we get new strength and we get stamina. It allows us to continue waiting until the manifestation comes. People give up and they transfer their trust to their own flesh instead of being faithful to what the Lord said and remaining in his promise and waiting. And if you wait and you're, oh, Lord, I'm getting tired. I'm getting weak. Wait on the Lord. Amen. Keep right where you are. Keep doing what the Lord told you to do last. He will renew your strength. He will give you new stamina. He will make you able to endure until the promise comes amen amen um pastor devon likes to say this and i I think it's true and he doesn't explain it i'm explain it for a second he says if you're willing to stand forever you won't be standing long if you're willing to stand forever you won't be standing long and a lot of times we think that means well if i'm willing to stand forever i only have to stand another 30 seconds well that's not it but compared to forever nothing is long Amen. It's a matter of your perspective on the situation. If you were willing to stand, you know, 80 years, well, all of a sudden, eight years isn't so bad, right? If you're only willing to stand eight minutes, eight years is looking pretty rough. But if you're willing to stand 80 years, eight years is not so bad. Amen. We see some examples of people that did wait on the Lord in Scripture, too. Noah. Did Noah stop building the ark just because the rain didn't come? No, he probably felt dumb. He probably got tired of being out there. With his hammer and nails building a whatever this thing is for whatever that stuff is. And it makes no sense. He got wore out. Made no sense in his natural mind. But he kept doing what the Lord told him to do. He trusted the Lord. Amen. Isaac. Uh, you know, when, when Abraham finally got Isaac, he continued to trust in God. It made no sense that God finally delivered him a seed right through Isaac, finally gave him the son of promise, and he's up there about to, about to sacrifice Isaac. That made no sense in his natural mind. But what did he do? Continued to trust God. When he got tired of waiting, I'm sure by the time they were walking up the side of the mountain, he was like, oh, Lord. what? Are we? Oh. Yeah. But he continued to trust the Lord. I'm sure when he tied his son down on top of the altar, Lord, I really need you to pull through like now, like now. Right? Sure, he was tired of waiting, but what did he do? He continued to trust in the Lord. I'm sure when he pulled up the knife, right, he was ready. He was ready to give up, but he didn't. What did he do? He trusted in the Lord. He continued to trust in the Lord. You have to trust in the Lord. Turning your Bibles to First uh, Kings, almost at Elijah. That's not a book. Elijah is not a book in your Bible. You'll waste time looking for the book of Elijah. But First Kings chapter 17, I believe. This is a, a powerful, a powerful example. Real simple, but real powerful example of somebody that, that trusted in the Lord. First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 5, and we'll stop at verse 10. It says, so he, and that's Elijah, he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Sharith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So the Lord had provided for him as he followed the Lord's direction. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Most of us, our testimony would stop right there. They would just put a period, stop the Bible, and we'd go on to do other things. But there's a comma because the story continues. Because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Let's look at a couple things in there real fast. We see in verse 7, that's where the brook dried up. The brook dried up in verse 7, and the Lord spoke 
in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came. That's when the Lord spoke. So what happened between verse 7, the time, the time, between the time the brook dried up and the time that the Lord spoke? What did Elijah do? You know, it doesn't say what he did, but it, it doesn't tell us anything because he stayed right where he was. There was nothing to say because nothing happened. He stayed right where he was. He wasn't moved by what it looked like. He trusted in the Lord. Amen. He stayed put. We don't see that he moved until verse 10. What does it say he did in verse 10? So he arose. So he arose. Well, you can't arise if you're already standing. He was resting right where the Lord had told him to be. That's why he was able to arise. So what was the order? The brook dried up, then the word, so he arose. He didn't move until the Lord told him to go. Well, why not? You know, we could all look at a dry brook and figure out that we needed water from somewhere else, couldn't we? But Elijah's trusted the Lord. You know, everybody else was starving. Elijah had food in the morning, food at night, and a steady supply of water. He trusted the Lord. You know, there have been times in the past where there were seasons of drought, and the Lord would open up a well. There have been times where he would, uh, you know, have a rock burst forth with water. So Elijah didn't know how the Lord was going to get him water. So there was no point in him trying to figure it out on his own. He was able to just trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. The other time that, we're often, that we often move our trust is when we get what we wanted, when manifestation comes. You know, it's real easy to trust the Lord when you need something. But it becomes a lot harder after you get that blessing. Now, if you're on the side where you're still waiting for the blessing, you don't know how hard it could be once the blessing comes. You don't. Uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 24, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Well, why is it hard for them to enter the kingdom of God? Because they don't trust God. They trust riches. After you get the manifestation, whatever it is you're believing for, once you receive it, it is very difficult for you to keep trusting God that gave it to you, and it's much easier to transfer your trust to the thing that you wanted. That's a good amen moment, Susie. They all forgot me again right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody prays when they're desperate. I recall, this is some time ago. Everybody say, some time ago. I would go out. I got, uh, I got some wild cousins. I don't know if you all have wild cousins, but I had some wild cousins. And we'd go out, and he would uh, have too much. It wasn't water, but he had too much of something to drink, right? And he would be praying and crying, and, oh, Lord, if you just pull me through, I'm never going out again. And then the Lord would pull him through. And guess what would happen the next Friday night? Y'all met him. Okay, you know the guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I thought y'all knew him. I didn't want to call his name out. You know, I never know when he's watching. But, yeah, and does anybody know people like that? They, and they'll go and they'll pray. I see people, uh, you know, I used to work in a hospital, and people would come in. Uh, there were so many rededications that happened in an emergency room on a Friday night. People, all, all everybody's trying to get right with the Lord Friday night in the emergency room. And then Saturday night, uh, something happened Saturday. It slipped up. Saturday night, they're back there again, rededicate, re-rededicating. I don't know how many times you could put re in front of the word dedicate, but they were, they were trying to find out. Here's a sad observation, and maybe you've seen this as well. I've seen this uh, throughout my life, not necessarily here, this is throughout the body of Christ. Throughout my life, I've seen that in many churches, most of the congregation is made up of poor people that need wealth, sick people that need health, and old people needing some last-minute fire insurance. But I don't see a lot of people attending faithfully throughout life's ups and downs. I don't see it. Maybe you do. Your experience may be different. That's not in the Bible that it's going to be like that. That's just what I've observed. 
And the reason I think that, that I see that is because young, healthy, and prosperous people don't prioritize God. They don't realize that he's the source of all those things. They've placed their trust in what he's given them. They place their trust in their health, their wealth, everything going well for them, their youth, instead of trusting the Lord. And then when things go wrong, they're like, oh, I, I didn't have anything I thought I did. Let me go run to the Lord for help. And then short-term memory, the Lord delivers, and then they're right back to where they were. Amen? Y'all know the people I'm talking about. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Some of y'all have this whole chapter memorized. I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the written version here instead of my memory. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And we're going to start with a definition. What is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And jump with me down to verse 6 real quick. But without faith, what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, it is impossible to please him. Him is God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we see here that pleasing God requires us to diligently seek and to expect. You have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Expectation. I struggled with this for a long time. Not struggled like I stayed awake at night, but struggled. I just didn't understand it. And, and y'all, might, y'all might be ahead of me on this, but I, I think it'll bless somebody. You expecting something from the Lord has nothing to do with your desire. It doesn't. Expecting something from the Lord has nothing to do with how badly you want it. It doesn't. You can want it and expect it, or you cannot want it and expect it. But you should expect it either way, right? Just like if I put, and God is not a vending machine. I'm just trying to break this down so we understand. If I put a dollar in to the vending machine and I hit peanut butter crackers, what should I expect? Peanut butter crackers, right? The same thing, if, if you are doing, you know, what the Lord told you to do, you should expect a reward from him. doesn't matter if you wanted the reward or if you didn't want the reward. It's about who God is. You need to know that he is a rewarder. If I go to a rewarder, what should I expect? A reward, because he is a rewarder. So your expectation is not about your desire, it's about faith. It's like the difference between throwing away seeds and planting seeds. If you throw away seeds, you don't expect anything from them. I remember I've told the story before. Uh, we used to eat watermelon on the back porch, and my mom would just come and sweep the seeds off in the yard. I don't know what she thought was going to happen to the seeds once they hit the dirt besides them growing to watermelons, but that's what happened. And then she was surprised by it, right? That's throwing away seeds. She was surprised by it. But if you go out and you plant a seed, if you intentionally plant it and you come back, what are you looking at the seed for? Well, you expect something to spread out of the ground. Amen. And you go back because you expect it to start. You know, we see corn everywhere now. If you have a corn plant, you planted some corn in the ground, and it starts growing up. What do you expect to get off that corn plant? Corn. Corn. Because you're expecting. It's a corn plant, so you expect corn. If you go to a corn plant, you expect corn. If you go to a rewarder, you should expect a reward. Not expecting a reward, not anticipating a reward from God means that you don't understand who God is. And it is impossible to please him if you don't understand, if you don't believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. That's what it says. Did Matt make this up or does it say it in the Bible? It says it in the Bible. So if you come to the Lord and you don't expect a reward, you don't know who he is and it's impossible for you to please him. 
Amen. Amen. Relying on what you see, so once you have it, then it's no longer the evidence of things not seen, it's the evidence of things seen. I'm going to say that one more time. Once you have received it, you can see it, right? And once you see it, is it the evidence of things not seen or is it something seen? One more time. I know it's, it's a lot of the same sounding words. I'm going to say it again. I know you've said it with me, but if I can see it, is it not seen? Right. It's seen at that point. It's no longer not seen. So once you see it, is it still pleasing to the Lord? Now, he's not mad at you for having it, but it's not pleasing to him once you have it. You know, if I'm believing the Lord for something, you know, my faith is pleasing to him as I'm believing the Lord. But once he receives it, you know, that pleases me, but he's, he's okay. Once he's got the gift, of, his pleasure is gone. It's become my pleasure. Now, he'll be pleased when I'm seeking him for something else. Amen? Amen. Here are some examples of people who kept their trust in the giver instead of moving their trust to the gift. So don't, let me say this before I say that, don't move your trust once you receive something. Don't move it to the thing you've received because that's not pleasing to God. You can be happy about it. You can accept it, be joyful, but don't transfer your trust to that thing because your trust should be in whom? In the Lord. You've got to continue to trust in the Lord. And so you've got to expect the next thing, whatever it is. Noah, we talked about Noah earlier. He built the big boat. When the rain came, did Noah suddenly transfer his trust to the big piece of wood that he had not understood? No, he trusted the God that told him to build the boat, right? That's why he, he would pray the whole time. He trusted God. He did not shift his trust. Now, who believes that when the whole world is flooded and you've got a piece, of, a piece of wood that's keeping you afloat, it's real tempting to trust that piece of wood, amen? But Noah didn't do that. He kept his trust in God. What about, um, where did I go? Oh, Abraham. When Abraham had his son Isaac, well, the Lord has promised me Isaac. I have Isaac. I know how human reproduction works. So Isaac is going to make me a father of many nations. Real easy to transfer your trust to Isaac, yes? But did Abraham do that? We see that he didn't. He kept his trust in God. He took him up to the mountaintop and was ready to, to sacrifice Isaac and start the whole process over again. Why was he ready to do that? Because who did Abraham trust? He trusted the Lord. Amen. What about Elijah? You know, Elijah was getting water from the brook and food from the ravens. Well, if you got water from the brook, well, we know we just go down to the brook and get our water. It's easy to shift your trust to the brook. Easy to shift your trust to the ravens. But did Elijah do that? No, he kept his trust in the Lord. And you and I also have to keep our trust in the Lord. So you may not be a person that shifts your trust to ravens or to arks. You're probably not. Anybody here wake up with a trust crisis because you wanted an ark this morning? No? No. But there are things that we shift our trust to. And most of the things I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong with using them. There was nothing wrong with Noah being in the ark. There was nothing wrong with Abraham having Isaac. There was nothing wrong with Elijah being at the brook. None of those things were a problem. But if they had shifted their trust to them, that would be a problem. Do we understand that? So the things I'm going to tell you, now there's a couple that are wrong that you shouldn't put your trust in, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't use at all. But most of them are okay to have. You just don't want to put your trust in them. Okay? If you find that your trust is in one of these, and it, there's going to be some reflection here. You need to be able to identify these. And I know you think, this is all great, Matt, but I trust the Lord. Sure you do. Sure you do. We'll see you in a moment if you trust the Lord. As I, if I say these and, it, and you find that you're guilty of one of them, and guilty is the wrong word, if you are, if have fallen into that, right, and there's no guilt, no condemnation for it, but if you find that you've shifted your trust, this is a great opportunity to shift it back to the Lord.
And the, the way you do that, speak and meditate the truth of God's word. That will help you. The more you're focused on the Lord, the more you're going to trust the Lord. The more you're focused on the object that you're trusting in, the more your trust will be there. So we're going to shift our trust and our focus back to the things of the Lord. You're going to be speaking and meditating scripture. That's going to reestablish your trust. It's going to renew your mind and help you to trust in the Lord again. If you do that and you have trusted in this thing so heavily that that's not working, you might need to fast. You might need to fast from it. Okay, that's not everything. Some stuff will be real easy. You'll just recognize it and switch right away. But there are some, it's like, uh, what do they say on the detergent box? For more stubborn stains. If you have a more stubborn trust issue, you may need to fast. Praise God. Nobody likes the word fast. I'll move on. Hallelujah. As we go through each item at the end of it, I'm going to have you repeat this phrase after me. Let's practice right now. I trust God. Amen. So one thing that we need in life is favor. We, we need favor. We really do. You need favor. Favor opens doors of opportunities to you. But what do you trust to get you favor? Are you trusting your appearance? You trusting your good looks? Are you spending a lot of time getting your hair just right because of my hair is just right? Then that person is, I know, Thomas, you spend hours on your hair, I'm sure, right? Uh, sorry. Sorry, a little hanging fruit. I'll do better. But if you spend a, a lot of time worrying about things like that to get you favor, then your trust ends up becoming in that. What about your charm, right? Oh, I can, I can tell the joke and flash the smile and people love me and I'll just rely on that. No. What about your connections? Oh, I know Billy Ray and Billy Ray knows President Biden and so I'm in. No. Your education. Well, I got a degree and that degree is going to open some doors of opportunity for me. This one is kind of a, a laughable one for me, but maybe it applies to some of you. Your family name might open some doors of opportunity for you. Your intelligence. I'm, I'm a smart guy, and they're going to recognize that, and they're going to they're do this for me. Your personality, your skill set, your work ethic. If you're relying on any of those to get you favor, then I submit to you, you're, you've shifted your trust to those maybe instead of keeping your trust in the Lord. What does the word say? Well, Proverbs 31.30 says that charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. Psalm 89.17 says, for you are the glory of their strength. This is the Lord we're talking about here. And in the Lord, our, in his favor, our horn or our strength is exalted. We have to trust in God. Say, I trust in God. Amen. Here's another thing that people shift their trust for. Finances. Finances. You might trust in your bank account. Now you think, oh, I don't trust in my bank account. Well, if it gets below a certain number, what happens then? Maybe you trust in your bank account just a little bit. Or the economy. Lots of people. I don't know if it's any of you. Lots of people trust in the economy. When the unemployment numbers start going up, they start to get nervous. Uh, some people trust in their skill at making financial decisions. They think, well, you know, it, it's, I don't care what the economy does or what my bank account looks like because I have the, the wisdom and the insight to be able to make these shrewd financial decisions, and that's going to that's gonna take me through whatever happens in the markets. You're trusting in your own strength. That's a dangerous place to be, a dangerous place to be. You might be relying on other people's generosity or just getting a good job. You know, Lord, if I had a good job, that would take care of me. Well, if, you know, nothing wrong with having the Lord give you a good job, but if your trust becomes that good job, you've missed it. A government safety net is a good thing to have. Don't put your trust in it. Hard work. I'm a pretty hard worker myself. It, it becomes tempting that I could just, you know, work a little bit harder, and then we'll be able to have a little more money, and everything is going to be okay. Don't put your trust in your hard work. 
Keep your trust in the Lord. Your investments. Well, you know, I invested in Apple back in uh, 1980, and now I'm a gazillion. Well, listen, that could crash and go away too. It, you know, Bitcoin is nice. Don't place your trust in Bitcoin. Don't do it. The stock market. If you still have your trust in the stock market, see me after. Okay? You need prayer. You need prayer if you're still trusting in the stock market. But don't, don't put your trust in that either. You know, the word of the Lord says in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, he who trusts in riches will fall. Not might fall, not could fall. If you trust in riches, you will fall. Everybody say will fall. Philippians four nineteen, and my God, who? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Isaiah forty eight seventeen, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Psalm 35, 27, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure and prosperity of his servant. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow to it. Malachi 3, 10 and 11, you all know this one. I, this is the Lord talking, will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I, still the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Who should we trust in? The Lord. Everybody say, I trust God. What about your health? Now, I know this is a healing church, and all of you believe in the healing power of the Lord. I would say there are even some people in here that are going to fall, fall victim to some of the things I'm about to say. Maybe I'm wrong. Praise God, I hope I'm wrong. And there's nothing wrong with anything I'm about to list. Nothing wrong with any of it. But identify where your trust is. Checkups. Well, I'm going to be okay because I get a checkup every year, and if something does happen, you know, the doctor's going to catch it, and we'll be able to treat it, and we're going to be okay. Go get a checkup. Keep your trust in the Lord. Well, it's really about the food you eat. You know, if you watch your diet and you eat whole foods and you have plenty of uh, protein and fiber, you know, that's going to help out. Nothing wrong with eating healthy. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Well, um, it's important to exercise. You know, I go out and I run, and because I run, that's going to lead to good cardiovascular health. Nothing wrong with exercising. You should exercise, but you should trust in the Lord. Well, I like holistic medicine. You know, I think it's important that we keep our spine aligned. And, you know, I go get acupuncture, and I don't even know all the holistic medicine. Y'all got to follow me here. Nothing wrong with, with, with that, right? I encourage you, if you need a, some chiropractic treatment, go get it. But keep your trust in the Lord. Well, you know, I prefer home remedies. Can I just tell you real quick? I think my mother is keeping the vinegar company in business all by herself. I don't know if anybody else <laughs> buys vinegar. That woman, she like I think she thinks vinegar is one of the major food groups, right? She wants vinegar with everything. But nothing wrong with some home remedies, right? If you know, if you think you need to take a bath in Ajax to get rid of something, whatever. But but where should your trust be? In the Lord, Amen. Here's one. This is one that has has uh, seeped into the body of Christ. And it's not a bad thing. These are good things too. Essential oils, right? I got a little bit too much sun a couple of weeks ago, and somebody came over with some essential oils and was slathering me down. And it was, you know, it worked. It, it worked. There's nothing wrong with essential oils. But was I trusting the oils? Y'all don't, y'all don't know who I was trusting. But who should I have been trusting? Amen. The Lord. And I was. I was not trusting the oils. I'm actually kind of, they worked really well. I was surprised by how well they worked. But, but we need to trust the Lord. Well, it's not about, you know, just a diet, but it's about your lifestyle. You should have a healthy lifestyle. But where should your trust be? The Lord. Well, you know, I take medication, and if I just take the dose that the doctor told me, my blood pressure is going to be low, and I'll be healthy. Take your medication, but keep your trust in the Lord. Well, 
I need physical therapy to help me get this joint loose again. Well, go to physical therapy, but keep your trust in the Lord. Well, I think I need surgery. You might need surgery. If you need surgery, get the surgery, but keep your trust in the Lord. WebMD, don't put your trust in WebMD. Like WebMD, you can have, I don't know, you can have gray hair and it's going to lead to death if you go to WebMD, right? It was, WebMD is always wanting to kill you. I don't, maybe that's just me. Maybe the rest of y'all get good diagnoses from WebMD. Anybody ever had a good diagnosis from WebMD? And they were like, may just cause temporary discomfort. Every time I go on there, it's like death, death. So skip right. Don't put your trust in WebMD. Keep your trust in the Lord. Vitamins. Take your vitamins. By all means, take your vitamins. But keep your trust in the Lord. Everybody say, I trust God. I trust God. Amen. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord that heals you. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Say health. And through his spirit who dwells in you. 1 Peter 2, 24. By Jesus' stripes you were healed. I trust God. Safety. Here's one we all get guilty of sometimes. Nothing wrong with any of these either. But identify where your trust is. Firearms. I carry sometimes. Nothing wrong with you carrying. It's your, it's your uh, Second Amendment right to do so. But if your trust is in superior firepower instead of the Lord, that's a recipe for, recipe for trouble. Keep your trust in the Lord. Law enforcement. Thank God we have men and women in uniform to help protect us. Don't trust. I'm not saying don't trust them. Don't place your trust in them. Keep your trust in the Lord. Amen. The military. You know, I served seven years in the Marine Corps, an excellent warfighting organization. Highly recommend. 11 out of 10 stars. I like it, right? But don't transfer your trust to the military. Keep your trust in the Lord. Your personal strength. You, you know, I like being strong enough to not lose fights, but if I'm trusting my own strength, sooner or later, I'm going to come across somebody who's a little bit stronger. Amen? Y'all say amen a little too quickly on that, Sierra. Amen. Are you sure, Matt, is what I was hoping for. That's all right, though. Sooner or later, I'm going to come across somebody who's a little bit stronger, and I need to have my trust in the Lord. What about, here's one. Here's what I see a lot of people fall victim to is your zip code. People trust their zip code to keep them safe. Like, oh, well, I live in a safe neighborhood. That won't come near me. Can I tell you that in today's world, there's not a safe place. We have a God of safety who will keep you safe. He'll send angels. We have lots of words about that. But I have seen, uh, you know, in the news, shootings happen in school, in church, in the mall, at uh, the grocery store, at the parade. I don't know where they haven't had a shooting yet. If you are trusting a location to keep you safe, your trust is misplaced. You have to trust not in your location, not in your zip code, but in the Lord. Keep your trust in the Lord. The word of the Lord says, uh, all of all of Psalm 91 really is a is a great spot for that. Uh, Psalm 20 verse 7 says, "Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God." Psalm 146:3, "Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help." Psalm 91:14 says, "Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him." And Ephesians 6:12, this is another good one. So often when we think about safety, we think about other people. But the truth is we're not really dealing with other people. We're dealing with spiritual things. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're not dealing with... If you think 
your weaponry or the police or your zip code or the military is going to keep you safe from spiritual things, you have misplaced trust. You have to trust in the Lord. Amen. Relationships. It's important to have good godly relationships. Uh, Oftentimes we trust, again, most of these things, nothing wrong with them. We trust in compatibility tests. Compatibility is important. But we have to trust in the Lord. We trust in our family's approval or our family's disapproval. If you've got a real bad family and they don't like your your, uh, person of interest, that might be a, a good sign for you. But you have to trust in the Lord. Here's one. You cannot trust the other person to satisfy you and keep you happy. Has too much pressure on them, and they're going to disappoint you sooner or later. And if they don't, then you're probably the one that's disappointing them. I'll move on, right? You have to trust in the Lord. And this is one you should not trust in, but people do, so I'll address it. Zodiac signs. I don't care that she's a Pisceterius or whatever they are, right? Doesn't matter. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Brother Ramon de Armas, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he used to say this, and he's a funny guy. Anybody know Brother Ramon? Brother Ramon's a, a real funny guy. He would, say, he would say this about Miss Jeanette. He said, I told her that when she wakes up in the morning, before she goes downstairs to make my coffee and do anything else, she needs to drop down to her knees beside the bed and thank God for putting me in her life. <laughs> Amen. Who heard him say it? Just okay, as a couple of us heard him say it, right? Well, he's right. He's funny, but he's right. She really doesn't need to be talking to him about him. She needs to be talking to who? To the Lord. We've got to keep our trust in the Lord. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. Well, who does the joining? doesn't say who did the joining. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 19.6, he says, So they're no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together... Let not man separate. Well, God is the one that joins together a man and woman. So who is the one that you have to trust? The Lord. You have to trust the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Oh, I found one of those. Amen. And obtains favor from his friends and colleagues, the general public. The Lord. He obtains favor from the Lord. We have to trust in the Lord. Everybody say, I trust God. Truth. Truth. Truth is one. Everybody's trying to find truth. And they try to find it through commentators and politicians, through, uh, I'm a little guilty of this sometimes too, Google and Wikipedia, right? Through logic and reason, through polls and statistics, rhetoric and persuasion, science and data, and all of these things people trust when they're looking for truth. But Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 18, 37, he said, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. We have to trust the Lord as our source of truth. Everybody say, I trust God. And here's one. This is a last-minute addition. Salvation. I see people trusting all kinds of stuff for their salvation. This is their eternal security, and they're trusting their good deeds and the fact that oh, I've not done anything bad wrong. Well, not doing anything bad wrong and no, or in lots of good deeds will get you a ticket straight to hell. Get you straight to hell, right? Nobody is impressed, or maybe your friends are impressed with your good works. They might be in hell with you. You have to trust the Lord for that. You have to trust God. 
you have to trust God. Everybody say, I trust God. Uh, the word says, for by grace are we saved through faith, right? Through faith in Jesus. Uh, John 3.16 says, whosoever believes on him, trusting in the Lord, shall be saved. John, um, so I trust Jesus. We have to trust the Lord. You cannot trust in any other means for that. Well, there's all kinds of other stuff that you might transfer your trust in. I'll go through them really quickly here. Uh, advice and worldly wisdom. Don't trust dear Abby. Trust the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Not a good plan. People trust their antidepressants. But Nehemiah eight ten says, The joy of the Lord will be your strength. People trust, oh, I said this one earlier. This might be a sacred cow right here. People trust their coffee. Amen. But uh, Proverbs eighteen fourteen says, The spirit of a man will sustain him. People trust their friends, but Proverbs 18.24 says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. People trust their oil changes and tune-ups to keep their car running right. But Psalm 65.11 in the Passion says, wherever you go, talking about the Lord, the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with oil. People like to trust their favorite political parties. Psalm 118.8 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. People like to trust in statistics and therapy and wine. Don't trust wine and other things. But Romans 8.28 says all things work together for the good of those who love God. Everybody say, I love God. And God loves me. And so I trust God. Amen. Any of those resonate with anybody? Anybody have some misplaced trust you didn't know about before you came here today? Amen. Some of y'all real sanctified folks. That's all right. I'll pray for you. Turning your Bibles as we as we wrap up today to Proverbs chapter three, verse five. I believe this is Steve's favorite verse. I think Steve, is that right? This is your favorite verse? Amen. Proverbs three five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in who? The Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding." We have to trust the Lord, church. No matter how good things look, no matter how bad things look, no matter how long it takes, or no matter how much we have, we have to keep our trust in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says we're to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, we have to be, uh, in Matthew 7.24 and 25, says we need to build our house on the rock. We have to trust the Lord. Everybody say, I trust God. And the last thing I'll leave you with in Jeremiah chapter 17, you could turn there and join me. It talks about the difference between people that trust in flesh and the people that trust in the Lord. People that trust in anything besides the Lord is flesh and people that trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, cursed, say not me, is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see good or shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. That sound good to anybody? Nope. Well, let's look what we need then. Blessed. Everybody say, that's mine. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Claire, if you'll come forward. We have to be 
rooted and steadfast, built on the rock and consistently and persistently. That means uh, not being moved by anything else and aggressively holding on to the things of the Lord. We have to consistently and persistently trust God. Everybody say one last time. I trust God. Amen. Hopefully that, uh, that helped you identify some areas where you might have transferred, transferred your trust to other things. But that's really not the, not the Lord's will for us. He wants us to trust him. Amen. No matter how long it takes, no matter how good it gets, we have to keep our trust in the Lord. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.